You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it here on this show. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. And today, the nation health. So my co-host, Kim Cockerham, is joining me. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. How's your week been? Oh, it's uh, we are officially on the road to Dallas. <laughs> so today is on our, the road our again. first day recording. You know, we, we do something that some people might consider a little odd, but I kind of like it. You know, that last day, getting ready, we got to get the coach ready, the trailer ready, have all that stuff. We have to make sure everything's set for the show and work, and Lisa works on the road. So it's just hectic that last day. So you usually end up finishing late in the day, and, you know, the logical thing would be get up the next morning and just get going. But we don't. We take off. I, I don't think we left till 10 o'clock last night. Um, but oh, wow. we only go an we only go an hour down the road, and then we stop because there's this excellent place to park the coach right on the river, and oh, nice. it's an hour away. It's yeah. Last night we got here. There's a nice breeze off the river. The water's lapping up on the shore. I mean, we're almost parked in the water. We're so close. And it's just a nice, relaxing night. And then when you get up the next day, we're we're already gone. You know, you don't get stuck at the house again with something else going on. or So it gets us out on the road and gets us started. So it's official. We're on our way to Dallas. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's coming quick. It is. And uh, speaking of Dallas, I have a couple things I want to start off with today. I'm going to do a book review. Um, but speaking of Dallas excited because we uh, will be presenting in the health pavilion. Destination I'm Health excited. will be live at Yeah. I'm so glad you're going to be on stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. I've got a lot of speaking going on this year at Gats, which I'm looking forward to that. I'll stay busy. Um, I'd rather speak in front of groups than, you know, one person at a time. So um, I think I'm some days I'm speaking, I think every day I'm speaking at least four times every day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that, that should be fun. Um, something else to report. This is um, kind of interesting. And, you know, my son Michael's been telling me this, and I haven't been paying attention to him. He kept telling me how brain octane, you know, the stuff from Bulletproof, mm-hmm. um, how his testing shows that it produces ketones quickly. And I thought, now, oh, yeah, maybe you'll measure a little bit of difference. And I just wasn't paying much attention to him. And he brought it up again the other day. And I thought, you know what? I have, I've been eating fairly high carb for me lately. I, I bet I'm averaging about a hundred carbs a day now. 
Um, I've added some more root vegetables, a little more fruit. It's summer, so I've been doing some fruit salads here and there. And some, we found, uh, Lisa found some really good paleo tortillas. They're completely grain-free. They only have like four ingredients in them, and they're really good. Um, So I've been eating some more of those. Yeah, almond flour? Yeah. Are they with almond flour? Yeah, it's like almond flour, tapioca starch maybe, salt, and something else. They're super simple, no grains. They're really good. They are on the expensive side. Um, Forget how many comes in a pack, eight or ten, but I think Lisa said they're like $10 a pack. They're pretty expensive. Mm. Um, but they're good and it's a nice alternative, but if you make a quesadilla, which isn't, you know, really big, it's 20 grams of net carbs because of all the tapioca starch. So, but I I feel good. I'm not gaining any weight and I like the variety I'm adding back in. And, um, I thought, you know, I haven't checked ketones. That should be interesting. So I checked like 0.2, you know, at a hundred grams of carbs a day, I'm just not producing any ketones at all. So Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm going to try something. I've been putting coconut oil in my coffee instead of brain octane. And the reason is, I don't know if this is a really good reason, but it's my way of thinking. Um, I can feel a difference in, like, clearly I think when I'm using the brain octane. But it is a more refined oil. So I thought, you know, if I'm not really working on a big project or something, I think I'm just going to stick with a coconut oil in my coffee. And then, you know, if I'm going to be working on something or writing or, you know, I I really want that little extra bit of mental clarity, I'll use the brain octane. So I've been using the coconut oil, thinking it's less processed. So I got up yesterday and I thought, I'm going to try the brain octane. So I had two cups of Bulletproof and... I think I put like two teaspoons of brain octane in each one. Within 60 minutes, my ketones went to 1.9 from 0.2. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's what wow. I said. And you, you, I, I, and you didn't yeah. go run your hill there or anything, did you? <laughs> no, nothing else. I just, I got up, drank, <laughs> I drank the two cups of coffee closer together. So, you know, I did get quite a bit of brain octane, about four teaspoons in an hour. And then an hour later, they peaked at 1.9. It, I was, I was blown away. Nothing else I have ever done has made ketones jump up like that. Wow. And they just came out with, and I saw an email from them, Bulletproof, comparing it as well. And then they just came out with another um Bulletproof, the X, XCT, or is it the, do, which one do you the, have? Just yeah, the, the brain acting? No, those are two different. So yeah, a little, uh, little uh, lesson here on the fat in coconut oil. There's basically four different types of medium chain triglycerides. That's what we always talk about, the MCTs. So medium chain triglycerides in coconut oil, there's one, they they use the numbers of how many uh, how many something are in the tail of the the molecule. So it's like six, eight, ten, and twelve. And it turns mm-hmm. out the six, the shortest, would produce ketones the fastest, and and would produce the most ketones quickly in your liver. 
the problem is, it was kind of funny. He said it tastes like goat um, and not in a good way. <laughs> and they said they've tried everything they can possibly do to make the, the I think it's C6, I remember right, that, to try to make the 6 taste even, you know, remotely good. And they said they can't do it. It just tastes huh. bad. Um, so then he uses the 8 for brain octane. So the 8 produces ketones not quite as fast as the 6, but better than any of the others, and they can make it completely tasteless. So brain octane, you can't taste at all. It has no mm -hmm. flavor whatsoever. XCT oil is a blend of 10 and 8, and 10 doesn't produce ketones as well as 8 does, but it still produces ketones better than whole coconut oil. Because coconut oil is 12, 10, 8, and 6. And the shorter, the smaller the number, the more ketones it will produce. Like I said, the 6 doesn't work because it tastes bad. And he says um, it, it's really potent when it comes to disaster pants, too, the 6. Mm -hmm. So they just gave up on that one. So the XCT, is, it, it's less expensive to do the 10 and the 8 as a blend. I guess to get that 8 um, isolated is a pretty expensive process and they do it real clean and you know they don't damage anything so the brain octane that's why it's so expensive but the results with ketones are amazing he says you don't have hmm. to be anywhere near ketosis like he'll go out he's he likes sushi so he he will eat white rice occasionally and he said he'll eat a big plate of sushi lots of white rice which is a ton of carbs the next morning, get up, drink the brain octane, and ketones are right back up again. Wow. It'd be kind of fun to test that out, yeah. you know, like, like you just yeah. did. Like kind you of just cool. did, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I checked, I checked both blood and breathalyzer. They were both, like, from nothing to, you know, way up into the middle of the chart in, you know, two cups of coffee. So that was kind of amazing. Neat, neat. All right. Now... A book review. Let me see how we're doing for time here. We're coming up on a break. So um, when we come back, I am going to review. I'm going to say I'm going to review the book that started it all for me. This is one of the first books I read, and I still take, I think, every piece of advice. There's nine keys in this book about being healthy, and I think I still try to do every one of them. We'll talk about them when we get back. Stick around.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cocker-Ham. And uh, I've got a book review, and then we're going to get to some of your calls and questions. So, Kim, I, I, I was really looking back over some of the books and thinking about this whole journey and destination health. And, and I remember reading this book, and it was one of the very first. And I went back and looked through it, and I'm surprised at how much of this we still talk about and still do. And the book is Effortless Healing by Dr. Mercola. Oh, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. the, more I, the more I think about this book, the more I'm surprised I don't talk more about it. You know, we, we did the book review for Eat the Yolks, and I said Liz did a really good job of taking each topic, whether it was fat or cholesterol or high blood pressure, or whatever it was, making it easy to understand, um, and she did a really good job at, on that. But when I look at this book, he takes nine principles to stay healthy. So each principle is is one idea, and it's just it's really simply helps you understand why the science behind it, but not too deep, and then just gives you exactly what to do. So I think these two books together. You know, the getting the understanding in the background from from um, eat the yolks and then getting a plan of and this isn't just about eating. This is about living. This is about all the things we should be doing. And and it's, you know, not just to be healthy. The book is called Effortless Healing because look around. It doesn't almost everybody have some sort of ailment or symptom or. I mean, it seems like everybody is suffering from something. We're just not very healthy anymore. So this is about living the right way, more than just eating the right way, but eating and living the right way in order to let your body heal itself. And and that's really kind of the key to this. So um, what I'm going to do is the, the first part of the book is just about, you know, what effortless healing all is, you know, how to get started. But then... In part two, he goes through the nine healing principles to help your body fix itself. And I'm going to go through them quick here. Drink pure water. We talk about that. He's really big on how it's filtered, what's in it, what's not in it. Uh, Healing principle number two, eat your veggies. And he talks about uh, fermented vegetables. That was kind of how I got started on these way back when. Uh, Healing principle number three, burn fat for fuel. We talk about that all the time. Healing principle number four, exercise less and gain more benefits. So he's big on high-intensity interval training, um, not a, a, you know a lot of endurance training. And, and that's interesting because he was a runner for his whole life, and now he does a, a lot more short-duration, high-intensity kind of exercise. Healing principle number five, Enjoy the sun and get your vitamin D. This is uh, an important one as well. And healing principle number six, let your gut flourish. Again, this was the book that I really started getting into, you know, the good gut bacteria and the fermented vegetables. Uh, Healing principle number seven, clean your brain with sleep. So he he talks a lot about sleep and how important it is and how to get better sleep. Healing principle number eight, another thing I learned in the beginning and still do, go barefoot. 
Uh, go outside barefoot a lot. It's about the whole um, negative electron charge, which is sounds like kind of out there, but it's interesting because uh, Dave Asprey from Bulletproof just wrote a big blog piece about this as well. And um, Dave Asprey also recommends sleeping on a grounding mat. So um, same kind of idea there. And then healing principle number nine um, he talks about avoiding these six, in quotations, health foods. So things that we've been told are healthy and they're really not. Um, all the grains. You know, he, he, he is for a grain-free diet, so we certainly talk about that a lot. Um, he says make sure you avoid natural sweeteners like agave. That was kind of touted as a healthy sweetener. It's really not. Um, anything with soy, just avoid, and we've kind of been led to believe soy was a health food. Uh, vegetable oils, I think we all know that now. Uh, stay away from those. They're garbage. This one might surprise people. Most types of fish, he says to avoid. Hmm. And the problem is that almost all the fish you see in the stores anymore is farmed, and it's factory yeah. farmed, just like they're doing with livestock they're cramming these fish into really unhealthy conditions they're feeding them the worst possible diet um, some of the other fish we have to watch because of the mercury content depending on where it's caught and what type of fish he's big on um, Alaskan seafood it's still the cleanest place in the world to get seafood um, he likes sardines um, the, the smaller fish, they don't have uh, time to build up the toxins or good, clean Alaskan seafood. He also talks about conventional yogurt, how that stuff's just garbage. So th this is a really easy listening book, nothing too complicated in here. And, uh, you know, I said last week or when we did the review on Eat the Yolks that if you were only going to read one book, it would be Eat the Yolks. If you were only going to read two, it would be these two, <laughs> Eat the Yolks, Effortless Healing. There, there is so much covered in those two books. And then he has a whole plan on how you can do this and, you know, some diet recipe ideas and things like that. But between these two books, most people, if they would read these books and follow them, they would probably eliminate 90% of their health issues, maybe more. There's really that much good stuff in these two books. That's awesome. And I still, um, I read Dr. Mercola's newsletter every day. There are only, I used to say there's only one um, newsletter email that I read every day. It was Seth Godin, and I still do. But I also read Dr. Mercola's newsletter every day. He's got some of the best research. Um, you know, and he's been attacked by the mainstream and, and actually he's been investigated by the FDA. Um, and he's kind of a rebel. And the, the interesting thing is, though, things that he was being attacked about 10 years ago, are now it's very clear that he was right and and 10 years ago it was very controversial some of the things he was saying now there's lots and lots of proof that what he was saying back then he's right about so 
you know, when, when I look at his stuff, no matter how crazy it sounds, I, I, there's credibility there and, and he has lots of research to back things up. One of the interesting things that I didn't realize, and I went back and checked this. Um, do you remember a drug that they were pushing heavy a while back called Biox? And then it got pulled off the market. No, Biox with a B or a V? V, Biox. It was a, v, uh, pretty mm-hmm. sure it was, yeah, I think it was for arthritis, if I remember right. I think it was uh, an arthritis drug, an anti-inflammatory of some kind. It might have been one of the first biologics, too. Um, so it got approved. It was on the market while it was in its testing, in its field testing. Um, Dr. Mercola wrote an article and it was published about how this was a really, really bad drug and it was causing heart damage. And he wrote the article while it was still in testing and they approved the drug. Well, it wasn't long that they had to pull it off the market. Listen to this statistic. It's amazing that we don't talk more about this. 60,000 people died on Vioxx. Oh, my gosh. 60,000. That's terrible. Died because of that. Yeah. And he wrote an article before it was ever even approved that this was a bad drug. Terrible. When when was that? Uh, you know, it seems to me like Vioxx might have been about 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, go look Go. Go look up the history of Vioxx. Yeah. And he was, mm-hmm. he was warning people. And, and there's, there's so many examples. So I, I think he's just a great resource. Um, mm-hmm. He talks a lot about how bad fluoride is in the water, how bad, you know, mercury fillings are at dentists, how bad, you know, the the CAFOs, the confined animal feeding operations are. He's kind of like a whistleblower, and he takes a lot of heat because he's exposing these things, and he has a huge audience. I think he has the number mm-hmm. one uh, health site on the Internet as far as number of hits. So uh, some people call him nuts. Some people say he's just in it for the money because he does sell a lot of stuff. I think he's just got amazing research and great ideas. So good book. What do you say we take a break and come back and get to some calls and questions? That'd be awesome. All right, let's do that. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Destination Health. Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get to the phone calls. We're off to Missouri to get started. Dave, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin, how are you today? Doing good. What's on your mind? Well, um, I emailed over some uh, blood work I wanted you to take a look at. Um, Kim said she went through it and kind of got it together for you. Uh, one is from um, last year in November, which would have been um, three months on a ketogenic diet. And then the other one is okay. from beginning of August this year, which would be a year on a ketogenic diet. And I want you to, as one of you could tell me if I've made any improvements with the cholesterol or anything. And I was also a little concerned to see my blood sugars a little high for being on a ketogenic diet. As one of you could see yeah, through so it and maybe come up with that. First of all, the, the cholesterol, hopefully nobody has ever recommended a statin because your cholesterol numbers are excellent. I mean, no, yeah, no, no, they haven't recommended anything. Good, good. I I would ignore cholesterol completely. You have no issues on cholesterol. All of your numbers are just fine. Um, If your cholesterol went up, it wouldn't be a concern at all. So I think your cholesterol numbers are, you know, don't let anybody tell you you need to do anything around cholesterol. They look great. The interesting thing about blood sugar, was this a um, a, a fasting blood sugar test? Yeah, I fasted for 12 hours, yeah. Okay, so here's the interesting thing, and I've documented this. There's only a little bit of material about this. I I can't find a lot written about this at all. But there is something called the Dawn effect when you're on a very low carbohydrate diet, like a ketogenic diet, that you're just not taking in hardly any sugar. And overnight, your body starts producing sugar so that your blood sugar doesn't drop because that's what wakes you up. If your blood sugar drops too low, you wake up, you got to try to eat something to get your blood sugar back up. So it's actually a good thing that it happens and I check my blood sugar fasting and it's not unusual sometimes for me to hit 110 you were 99 and I am nowhere near diabetic I've never been anywhere near diabetic my a1c would be low I haven't had it checked but I I checked mine enough to know what my average would be the interesting thing is I can hit 110 first thing in the morning after not eating for 12 or 14 hours, which is kind of crazy. And then as I start to eat, it goes lower and lower and spends most of the day down in the seventies and eighties, which is exactly where we want it to be. Um, you're not doing any damage in the body until you're over 140. The, the problem okay. is the fasting blood sugar has only been kind of studied in people eating a standard American diet, high carbohydrate. So they watch fasting blood sugar because it's an indicator that you're heading towards diabetes or metabolic syndrome. But you have to look at the number very different in somebody who's eating a low carbohydrate diet. Being in the 90s or even low 100s is not unusual but my guess is if you were to get a uh, blood glucose meter and check your own throughout the day, it would actually go down all day long. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then um, a couple so, other things I wanted to, if, if you could take a look at was, um, I I don't know if I'm overreacting or worried about nothing, but 
So, like, I've heard you talk about it before, and my doctor said the exact same thing I hear you, you know, criticize him for. You're within range, and that's all they care about. They don't take nothing else of my lifestyle or anything into consideration. You're in, you're in range, so it's good. I, I kind of don't like that after listening to you and stuff. So, like, I'm very – I'm super active. I'm a household goods mover, so I, I'm active there. I do CrossFit six days a week, and I'm on a ketogenic diet. So I'm active, right? So – Yep. When I see that um, I'm 42, and in my opinion, I don't know anything about it, but based on the range, my testosterone level, it looks low. And they say, well, you don't have to worry about it. You're within the range. And I'm like, range of what? You know nothing about me, you know? And so I'm curious, is that, do you think that number's something I need to be concerned with? or No, and here's why. This is one of those areas where, you know, sometimes they set a range for things and their range is too low, like vitamin D. You're okay on vitamin D, but it wouldn't hurt to have more. It's one of those things where I think they've set the range too low on vitamin D. We yeah. should have more than what they claim. But then there are some things where they set the range the opposite way. And some of it and I've read enough books to know this isn't just, you know, speculation or conspiracy theory. The big drug manufacturers are the ones that push to get the ranges changed so that more people right. fall into the prescribing guidelines. And one of those is testosterone because they're pushing their, you know, testosterone replacement drugs. So they want men to show up low. And then they can prescribe the testosterone replacement, which is a horrible idea, by the way. Um, right. There really isn't a clear range at all about testosterone. And other than a drug, the only way we know that might improve testosterone levels is to make sure you are getting enough vitamin D. So you may want to increase you know, sun exposure or take a supplement there that can help and exercise, but you're getting tons of exercise and CrossFit is high intensity, which is, we do know that high intensity helps testosterone levels better than endurance kind of training. So you're doing all the right things. Like I said, maybe bump up some vitamin D. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but if you're doing all the right things and this is your testosterone level, then it just is what it is. And and there's no evidence anywhere to say you should have more. And then um, I just have one other quick question. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed on there, for the uh, Omega test, it just says see test results, and it doesn't show anything, you know? It says see below. So I called the doctor, and that's another funny thing. I had to ask for that test, and she didn't even know what it was. And she said, why do you want to know that? And I, I explained to her the difference between it. And she's like, well, I know that, but why do you want to know it? And I, just, I go, I just want to know what my ratio is. Her exact words to me were, well, you really don't need to know that. And I said, but I'd like to know. And so that was, I was like, that's the response I'm getting from my doctor. You don't need to know that. So she ended up finding it through a different lab, and I got it. And since it's not on that result, I had to call and get it. And this is the, what she gave me. She said, um, here's that range again. I would want to be at a 2.2 for omega-3, and I'm at a 1.8. So she recommended I take 2,000 milligrams of fish oil a day. Does that sound about right to you? Or 
Um, yeah, it, you do need to up your omega-3s. I'm, I wouldn't do it with fish oil. I'm not a, like, this is an area where I'm not convinced supplements are the way to go. There's still a lot okay. of argument about what's better, fish oil, krill oil, what really gets absorbed, what doesn't get absorbed. I, I think you should try to work harder to get the omega-3s in your food. We we always want to try to yeah. get them in our diet first. So um, are you eating sardines at all? No, I've never been able to get myself to eat them. <laughs> I hear you talk about them all okay. the time, but... Yeah, so I that's one of the easiest ways in the truck. They they store well. They're really high in omega threes. They have tons of other nutrition in them. But if you can't eat them, you can't eat them. And I get it. People either you know love them or hate them. It seems. Um, so you've got to try, you know, more grass fed and pastured animals. You might want to look for the omega three eggs that you can see in a lot of uh, grocery stores now. Not necessarily okay. as good as like a local pastured, but they they do yeah. um, feed them diet high in flax so that the eggs are higher in omega-3. So I would work, make it a point, work towards getting it in your food and then see how things are looking in, say, three months. And if you still haven't been able to do it, then you might want to try um, a supplement. I, I think I would do krill oil, but again, there's just okay. a lot of controversy about what's better fish oil, krill oil. But, um, we also have, uh, a fatty acid supplement, um, that is a, a balance of three, six, and nine. Actually, we don't talk much about nine, uh-huh. but, um, you know, in three months, if you haven't been able to get it in your food, call us and we'll talk about possibly supplementing but um it, that it's amazing kim that uh i think last week it was that i said the maybe the second most important thing when we talk about health is the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio didn't i just say that recently right yeah i was it was we and talked about that last week yeah I said it might be the second most important thing after getting rid of all the brain. And here's a doctor saying, you don't need to know that. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Robinson. All right, a quick heads up. We're heading into the uh, fourth segment of the first hour. We're going to come back and do another hour. And uh, if you press one on your phone right now, we might be able to get to you in the second hour. So um, we'll do destination health questions first, and then we'll go to general questions in the next hour. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is with me. So, Kim, here's the thing, and I know we've talked about this, but I want to talk about it again because it, it makes me crazy when, um, you know, doctors just just don't know this stuff. So 
every disease we talk, heart disease, um, all of the uh, brain disorders, uh, all of the autoimmune diseases, almost every disease has the, is either caused by or has a component of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Every right. disease, all pain is inflammation. It, 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 it's all about inflammation in the body. And inflammation is all about omega-6 and omega-3. Omega-6 creates inflammation, which is actually a good thing. We want that to happen because inflammation is how our body heals things. So inflammation is actually a really good thing. We want it. And omega-6 creates all of the components we need so that our body can use inflammation to heal a wound. Omega-3 is what then comes in and says, okay, the, the inflammation process has worked. It's done its job. The healing has happened. Now we need to de-inflame because we, we don't want to be chronically inflamed. We just want our body to say, hey, here's an injury. Here's a problem. Let's fix it. Then the omega-3 kind of turns off the inflammation. So we need it would be like having a light switch that only turns on and never off. You can't ever, we turn the light on, you can't ever turn them off. That's what happens when you have too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3, when you don't have a balance of the two. You need them both. They should be in balance. But if they're not, we have the switch to turn on inflammation. We just can't ever turn it off. And the inflammation itself becomes the problem. So the omega-6, omega-3 ratio is critically important. We get way too much omega-6 in our our diet, and we have to really work to get the omega-3. And here we have a doctor who says, oh, it just doesn't matter. You don't need to know that. (laughs) So, you know, it's interesting, and I was glad Dave brought that up. I honestly didn't realize that it was, I mean, I guess it makes sense there is one, that there was a test to measure the omega-6 and omega-3. Um, so that's, that's interesting. And one of the tests that yeah. sounds like we all should be having, is there, uh, what other tests are there to, um, uh, measure the inflammation in the body at any certain time? Are there certain there tests is for a, that? There's a very, yeah, there is. No, there, there is a clear test for this. They test for what's called C-reactive protein. That is the most common marker of inflammation in the body. Now, it's not going to tell us where the inflammation is, but it's going to tell us based on how much C-reactive protein is showing up, how inflamed we are. If you have a high number, then you're just chronically inflamed. If you have a low number, then you're probably not. That would be so that that can tell us two things that could tell us about our our omega-6 and omega-3 ratio. It's also a really good indicator of food sensitivities because food sensitivities can cause a lot of inflammation. And this marker is what is left behind after we've been exposed to a food that our body doesn't recognize or is very sensitive to. So uh, C-reactive protein is a great test to have done to check for inflammation. So, it, uh, yeah, so definitely something to check. It, for me, 
it's kind of interesting. I think I have a built-in test. When I'm at home and I can control my diet and my freezer is packed with local pastured grass-fed meat, I, I get beef, pork, chicken, fish, all of it's wild-caught, pastured, so I can control it when I eat at home. Um, same with eggs. Uh, if I eat dairy, it's raw. So when I'm at home, it's a really, really clean diet. I feel amazing. No joint pain whatsoever. After being on the road for five months at the CMC, my joints were hurting again. And hmm. it's because eating out, it was harder to control the omega-6, omega-3. You know, when you're eating at restaurants, you're not getting pastured animals. We know that. They're not grass-fed. They're going to be much higher in omega-6. The restaurants are using the, the lousy oils and fats much higher in omega-6. Mm -hmm. And I can feel it. So I, I have a, a really good barometer for when I'm in balance or not. It's joint pain. If I eat clean and I'm in balance, I have no joint pain whatsoever. How long did it take you once you got back home to, to, um, for uh, that to go about away? About two weeks. Okay. About two weeks of really clean eating, mm -hmm. and I could notice a difference. And uh, mm -hmm. this time, we're only going to be on the road probably a month or less. Um, and I took a ton of the food I had at home. Like I get whole pastured chickens. I get big beef roast. And I spent about two days cooking um, the chicken, the beef, the pork, preparing it, freezing it in individual bags. So, you know, being on the road, even though we have a kitchen, it's not like I want to spend all day um, cooking. We're usually driving, working, we have the shows, but this time I did a much better job of really packing the freezer with, you know, pastured meats from home. So hopefully I won't have that problem. Okay, nice. What do you say we, uh, let's get to a call. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kim. Hi, Herschel. Hey there. Well, I have a question. I do have a question, but the other day you were talking about component cooking. Well, the other day I'm thinking, what am I going to do tonight? So I can't have onion because of my food sensitivity, and I really wanted some guacamole. Now, I'm going to try something. So I took my avocado and smooshed it all up. I gave it a shot of lime juice from a real lime, a couple grinds on the pink Himalayan, some bacon that I had left over, a little bit of bacon fat, and a healthy dose dose of Tabasco. Oh, man, was that good. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, that was good. You know, another interest, yeah, you know, another interesting thing to do with avocado, we, we almost always prepare it with Mexican ingredients, so cilantro, lime, that kind of thing. We, it's really, you know, from the Mexican food culture that we get guacamole and that's how we think of avocados. But I've done, um, I've taken an avocado and instead of lime and cilantro, I've used basil and garlic and a little olive oil and put more Italian flavors in it. And it's just a totally different dish. And it kind of comes back to that component thing again. Um, you know, just mix things like that up. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, yeah, it was really good. 
So what else is on your mind today? Well, my question for you, I'm like you, and my wife says I read too much of them sometimes. <laughs> I get Mercola's and different articles and newsletters and everything by email. I was reading one the other day, and last week I called and asked about the water. But the one that I yeah. read just a couple of days ago was talking about all about fluoride and how bad it is, what it can do. And it had a list of different brands that have way too much of it. And, of course, Kroger bottled water was one of them, and that's what I typically bring in a truck. So I thought, okay, well, the number one problem, side effect of too much fluoride, and it said a bottle of fluoride had 24 times more than what your body should have in an entire day in one bottle. But the number one side effect was gastrointestinal problem, and if that doesn't describe me through all this, I don't know what does. And I wonder what your opinion of fluoride in the water is. So today, I have my own container with my well water. So, what do you think? Yeah, so I think that you should avoid fluoride in water. I think we all should avoid fluoride in water. There's no real evidence that it's good for our teeth, first of all. Um, second of all, if you're eating a good diet and doing all the other stuff, we really don't need it. And it, it's been linked to all kinds of problems. Now, the problem with trying to prove the gastrointestinal side, which I believe, I absolutely believe, most people would, you know, they, they might switch their water for a while and go, oh, no, but I still have all the gastrointestinal problems. Yeah, but it's because they're doing 30 things that are wrong. So fixing one isn't going to change anything. You have been eating a good, clean diet. You're avoiding the foods that cause you sensitivity. You're still having then I would say um, let's do away with the water. Um, and I think that may really work well for you. So, yeah, I, I think that staying away from fluoride is good for a lot of reasons. Um, and this is probably another one. Hey, we've uh, we've blown through another hour, Kim. Anything you want to wrap up with? Oh, see, you caught me. Um, no, not really. Um, just you know, I've been having a lot of fun with the text messages, and it's neat. People are sending me text messages to add, and so I just want to make sure everybody's on our um, text message for Let's Truck Health, um, and it is just that LT Health to ninety nine thousand. Text that word to it. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, so we're going to do another hour. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, 
working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call me. And today is uh, Destination Health, kind of a continuation of Destination Health. So Kim is joining me. This is the show in the day where we talk about everything health, fitness, training, diet, nutrition, disease, drugs, you name it, lifestyle, stress. We'll tackle it here. All you have to do is call and ask. Kim, welcome back. Hi, glad to be here, Kevin. I have to tell you, I am, I'm reading Eat the Yolks now. So I'm not too far into it, oh, good. but I love your book reviews because um, um, it, just, it just narrows down because there is just so much, so much out there. So looking forward to really diving into it. So, so what do you think of a writing style? You know what I do like it. it's the same as you said you just I like when somebody's lighthearted when they read and you feel like they're talking to you instead of because I'm not I know you love the scientific and the, the geeky stuff and I usually um, go right to tell me what to do type thing um, <laughs> and I get lost I get lost on the site you know the scientific stuff and yeah, um, yeah. and I have to read over and over it but this one I like it because it's just more um, more relaxing. I just feel connection to it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I, I really moved this one up to the top of my recommendations. It, it is a light, easy reading style. It, it, she doesn't write like a writer. It hasn't been, um, you know, it, it's not a real formal writing style like a lot of books. It's as though you're just sitting down and talking. So it's it's easy. She gives you enough science so that you know she knows what she's talking about. She gives you enough science so that you understand why you, she might be recommending something. But she doesn't get too deep into it. And, and then she has real good, clear recommendations. So a great book. I'm glad you're reading that one. And then in the last show, we talked about um, another book, Effortless Healing. And even though this one's written by a doctor, there's not a lot of science in this one either. This one is easy reading, and it's more of do this, than this, than this, than this. And he gives you the reasons why, but not like so many crazy, you know, in-depth, um, detailed, uh, everything about all the science behind it. So I think those two together really help you understand a lot. And both of them, even more so effortless healing, is more than just about food. It, it, it's really about um, the entire lifestyle. You know, he talks about sleep. He talks about getting enough sunshine. He talks about being outside barefoot and, um, you know, grounding and, and lots of other. So really a nice big picture of, you know, how to get healthy. And I, I think back and it, it's one of the first books I read. He was, if I remember right, I think he was the first book I read that talked about all the problems with grains. Now he didn't go super deep into it. So after hearing that from him and seeing the reasons that motivated me to go read the book Grain Brain and Wheat Belly, which I'll be reviewing those as well. And those go really, really deep into the science. You know, that, that is, he does like one chapter on grains. They do an entire book 
two books, uh, really big too. So they go deep, deep into the science on those. And I like that. Some people like that, but a lot of people don't. They just want to skip that and, you know, explain things to me why. Don't get so deep into the science that I, you know, fall asleep every time I try to read it. And then tell me what to do. And and those two books together are really good for that. I loved when you listed down the nine um, things that he talked about because we do – um, and a lot of times when uh, people call in, the question is usually always about food and what kind and whatnot and this and that. And I, I, I like how he incorporates everything, you know, especially, um, and I think I shared with you, um, the doctor trains medicine I was going to was her number one thing for me was sleep, sleep, and then what I eat and then moving. And um, I know yeah. our drivers have a hard time with sleep. But um, a lot of times, and that's just an area that if we can put some focus to, along with these other ones, you just start seeing more well-rounded benefits. Yeah, something else I want to talk about today, um, and this comes back to Marcola again. Uh, He wrote the book Effortless Healing. I talked last show about how he's usually way ahead of the curve, uh, curve warning people about things. And he, I've been reading several articles from him. And I, there's a big push to regulate women industry. It's pretty unregulated. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of people would look at that and go, oh, well, that's a good thing. We should regulate it because you really don't know what you're buying. And I agree. You don't. If there's, there's so little control on supplements. You have no idea what you're buying. There are no real standardization of amounts or quality or purity or anything. It's kind of the Wild West. It's not regulated. And a lot of people would say, oh, that would be a good thing. We should regulate it so you know what you're getting. I don't think so. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm fine Mm -hmm. with it being unregulated. I'll figure out what I'm getting. I'll, I'll, I'll find other ways. I'll do my own testing. I'll read other people that I trust when they test. I'll check results. I leave it alone. Don't regulate it. And I, I just want to make a comparison. So believe it or not, it's the pharmaceutical companies that are pushing to get the um, supplement industry regulated because they're regulated yeah, sure. and they think that the supplement industry has an unfair advantage. So let's look at this. Um, I, I tried to find cases of people dying from a supplement. Now, it does happen, and a couple supplements have been pulled off the market over the years because of a bad outcome. Fenfen was probably the most popular. It was a a diet drug. It was a a stimulant, um, controlled your appetite, increased your metabolism, but I think people were dying from some heart problems, the irregular heart rhythm, so it was pulled from the market. So you would say, oh, well, that's bad. It killed people. Yeah, it did. But let's look at the heavily regulated pharmaceutical market. Tons and tons of regulation on pharmaceuticals. Do you know that this number, again, I can't believe that we don't talk about this. If we have some sort of a a mass shooting somewhere and six people died today, that would be really, really big news, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it should be. And if it happened, what if it happened again tomorrow? 
and six more people got shot. My God, they'd be all over that. And what if it happened the day after that and six more people died three days in a row? Would that be all over the news? Would it be all anybody was talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? You know I know exactly. People? Yeah. Oh. I, every single day from just one class of pharmaceuticals, opioids, painkillers, 78 people every single day, day after day after day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 78 people die from a prescription drug. Mm-hmm. That's, That's insane. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and 80% of the people who are struggling with opioid problems, opioid abuse and addiction and dying mm-hmm, from it, mm-hmm. 80% of them were prescribed by a doctor. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not, mm-hmm. there are some people taking it just recreational right from the start, but 80% of the people who are struggling and dying from this were prescribed their first op- opioid by a doctor. Yeah, and then they're addicted and have to go bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah, we have that, a um it's all over the place. We have it's huge back in my hometown of Akron. I think Akron, Ohio, you know, and it's just yeah. it's so sad because I even see on Facebook friends who, you know, young kids and their family and stuff and it's just it's heartbreaking. And yeah, it usually starts with the uh, you know, the painkillers, Percocet and and all that. It's just it's sad. Yeah. So there's a very heavily regulated industry with pharmaceuticals, and they're killing 78 people a day. That's just one class of drug. I'm not counting any of the other drugs that are causing people to die or drug reactions causing people to die. That's in a very heavily regulated industry. In the non-regulated industry of supplements, it's pretty rare. People don't die very often from supplements. When it's identified, they get pulled off the market. Why aren't we pulling the opioids off the market? Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Cuff. back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. So, um, Kim, that's just, uh, you know, on the surface, when you hear that, um, you know, maybe supplements should be regulated, it seems to make sense. But look at the things that are regulated. And, and we don't even talk about how bad the pharmaceutical industry is and all the damage it creates. And, and, you know, drugs get approved and then they kill people and then we have to pull them off the market. And I mean, I could just go on and on and on about the, the whole pharmaceutical industry. I, I say leave the supplement industry alone. Let us figure out ourselves so. what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I hope so. It'd be scary to think of uh, pharmaceutical companies getting a hold of that. And, you know, when was it? I'm th- I want to say 2005, but it might have been before that, that 
you know, when I grew up, you didn't see the ads on TV for prescriptions, and now they are all over the place. So I'm thinking, you know, man, our kids are growing up with this, that it's just the natural thing to do, that there's a pill for everything. Um, and that hasn't been, like I said, I'm thinking it's in the last 10 years that they've been allowed to do that on television with all the different side effects and so forth. Yeah, I was trying to uh, uh, remember when, 1997, I believe, so is far, when oh, they okay. allowed that. Yeah, for the uh, what they called uh, direct-to-consumer direct advertising to consumer. drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you realize there are only there are only three countries in the whole world that allow that? No. Only Who are three. the other two? It's uh, New Zealand and Brazil. Nowhere, nowhere else in the world are pharmaceutical companies allowed to advertise directly to the consumer, and it's a disaster. Wow. They, it should, we, it we is. need to outlaw that immediately. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you know, and I've I talked about this, but it's been a long time. This is a good time to bring this up. So, I started noticing when I, I pay attention to the stupid drug commercials because they they make me insane. Um, you know, side effects used to be things like a headache, nausea. Now side effects are tuberculosis, death, um, seizures, coma, um, uh, cancer. Those are side effects now of drugs. You hear them on these commercials if you're paying attention because they say them real fast yeah. and real quiet while something right. else is going on. Um, but the other thing I started noticing was I'd see a, a drug – and then later on, I'd see a commercial for the same drug, but for a different disease. And I'd be like, well, that's bizarre. Mm. How does that work? Well, it turns out those commercials are completely illegal. It, there's a term for it. It's called off, off-label advertising. So the, the drug manufacturers get a drug approved for, say, arthritis. But arthritis is an autoimmune and the drug is just suppressing the immune system so you don't get the symptoms of the arthritis. You, you haven't fixed the problem. You've suppressed the immune system. That's why they're so dangerous, because now you're open to infection and tuberculosis and cancer and all kinds of things. But they also know that if that drug suppresses the immune system, that maybe you could use it for other autoimmune diseases. But it doesn't get tested and approved for that. It was tested and approved for one specific condition. Now, doctors are allowed to write prescriptions for any drug for any reason. There are some exceptions to that. But for the most part, the doctor could say to a patient, I think this drug would work for this, even though it's never been tested for that, isn't approved for that. Doctors are allowed and I'm I'm kind of okay with that. Um, I would prefer to stay away from doctors and prescriptions, but I think doctors should have some freedom in doing that. That's legal, but it's not legal to advertise a drug for a condition that it hasn't been tested and approved for. And then you say, well, how can they do it if it's illegal? Well, there are fines for doing it. And they're big fines, like crazy big. Like it could be $100 million they'll get fined for running that commercial. But they do it anyway. 
because they know they're going to make 300 million selling that drug for the condition they're at, even though it's illegal to advertise it that way. They do it and they pay the fine. They just think oh, it's just the cost of doing business. We still make money. That's criminal for the the TV station too. There should be some repercussions for that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now it happens well, all the time. I, called off. Yeah. Off. Hmm. And you know, I never thought of it because I was again because it's just you get used to it and you become kind of passive and numb to it. Um, watching the commercials, but I think all of us need to, I mean, if you got kids at home and family are home, it's a great way to start some conversation, you know, that, that doesn't have to be, you know, this prescription and, and be able to share more about how we do take care of ourselves, you know, naturally and eat good and sleep and health, you know, it, it's, I, and again, I haven't, I just, you listen to it and I don't think about it, but I think we all should start the conversation with whoever is around us when we, those commercials come on. Yeah, good point. What do you say we get to some calls? Sounds good. Let's head north of the border. Tony, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing today? Good. I've what got can we a, help you with? I'll give you a little background. I, uh, until recently, I didn't know that uh, PPIs, uh, Prilosec in particular, were uh, pretty bad for you. And I've been yeah. on them for 23 years. Okay. So I, after hearing your show and some other shows, uh, I decided to wean myself off of them. And I've got it to where I'm taking maybe two a month. Um, but I've noticed the last two or three days, the acid or, or whatever it is, is, is really bad. Uh, and I was wondering, uh, I heard you talk about, I think it was called hydrochloric acid tablets or something. Right. I just wondering if you give me information on that. Yeah, so uh, just a quick refresher on, on how backwards we have this. Um, anytime you suffer from heartburn, acid reflux, GERD, those kind of things, the, the medical community says, oh, it's the stomach acid causing the problem. So let's either neutralize or suppress the acid. So, you know, things like Tums and Rolaids, those are neutralizers. They neutralize the acid in the stomach. And you mentioned PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. That shuts down the pump that puts the acid into the stomach. So what we're doing is we're addressing the symptom, not the problem. The problem is not the stomach acid. Our stomach is designed to be incredibly acidic. Like the pH in our stomach could be as low as 1.2. That is incredibly acidic. Like that will take chrome off of a bumper. And that's how it's designed. That's how it is supposed to work. So to think that our stomach acid is too strong or we have too much is just backwards. It, it, that's not the case. In fact, it turns out it's the opposite. So the acid isn't the problem. The problem is that the acid is getting into our esophagus. Our stomach is designed to be able to handle that, that high acid content. Our esophagus isn't. So if acid gets into the esophagus, it burns and it does damage. And that's not a good thing. We need to fix that. 
but we don't really fix it. We just cover up the problem. And what happens is we create much, much bigger problems because without good, strong stomach acid, you're not digesting your food properly, which causes digestive issues. If you're not digesting it properly, you're not getting all the nutrients you need, which is critical. And that that strong stomach acid is a barrier to microbes and bacteria and germs and all kinds of things. Good strong stomach acid kills all that stuff in our stomach so it can't make us sick. So by, by suppressing or neutralizing acid, we're causing all kinds of other problems. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy. If you don't digest your food properly because you're, you don't have enough stomach acid, then you don't have the nutrients you need to produce good stomach acid. So you can never solve the problem if you are covering up the problem. So what hydrochloric acid does is jump starts the process again. Your body is not going to produce enough stomach acid because you're not getting the nutrients because you don't have enough stomach acid. So we have to jump start that process. The reason you get the burn is because you don't have enough stomach acid and that's the signal for the esophagus to close. If you don't get the signal, the esophagus stays open, the acid gets up in there, and that's the burn. So you can either keep covering it up and suffer all the other issues, or we can take a step back and address the real problem and fix it. And that's what we will talk about right after this break. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Russell. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. We're talking with Tony in Canada about hydrochloric acid. So, Tony, what, what we're doing is we're addressing the, the root cause of the problem, the fact that you have weak stomach acid. And after 23 years on, on PPIs, it's even worse. So we have to jumpstart it. So you, and we have a whole instruction sheet that we send out with that tells you how to learn how to dose the hydrochloric acid. And then the goal is that if we jumpstart your stomach and give it enough acid, over time, you start digesting your food better, you get the nutrients you need, and your body starts producing its own stomach acid. So the goal for this supplement is always to use it to fix the problem and then go back to letting your body heal itself. Does that all make sense? Uh, yes, sir. So in essence, uh, when your stomach starts producing its own acid, does that do away with the reflux coming up through the esophagus? 
it, it will, and so will taking the hydro. No, you're right. It, once once the stomach acid reaches that that really good pH, as low as 1.2, that's what signals the esophagus to close. As long as that esophagus stays closed, you'll never get heartburn. So we've got to get the stomach acid strong enough to close that valve. And then you'll start, the heartburn will go away. You'll start digesting your food better and you'll start producing your own stomach acid. Now I would say during the transition, if you're really suffering some heartburn and sometimes it takes a little while to, to fix it, especially if you've been on these drugs a long time, if you have to take something, just take an antacid. Don't take the PPI. Take like a, a, a calcium supplement, take a Rolaids or a Tums, just, just something to neutralize the acid because that that's a, has a lot fewer side effects than stopping your the proton pumps from, from pumping the acid. So, you know, once you wean off the PPIs, I would get away from those completely. And if you need something, I would just use an antacid. And if you get this solved with the hydrochloric acid, you shouldn't need anything. Well, that sounds good. Uh, the instruction sheets you were talking about with the uh, tablets, will it uh, go into detail as far as whether you take it with a full meal versus, say, a snack? Uh, you'll kind of, yeah, once you see the testing, you'll kind of understand you know, because you test for a full meal and you follow the instructions. And let's say that your dose turns out to be four tablets with a full meal. And, and the last person I worked with that was on PPIs for over 20 years, they, it, it took them 10 hydrochloric acid tablets before they could even feel it. So once you know that that's a full meal, then you kind of, you know, just logically, if I'm going to eat one quarter of that amount of food, then, you know, instead of four, I'm just going to take one. And, and you, you just kind okay. of play around with it and you'll figure out. And if the meal is heavier in protein, you can take more because acid is really good at digesting protein. So you'll kind of play around with it. and You'll get the feel for, you know, how much you should take based on the size of the meal. So um, again, that's a supplement. We can get that out to you and get you some instructions and work with you on how to take that. Let's see. Let's go to Ohio. Leo, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. I love the show. <clears throat> can you hear me? Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I don't care what the haters say. Uh, they say I love the show. I didn't know what to do before the show. I was like a blind man eating walls, but I I, I still really see, I still I still really see an improvement on my health. Uh, one question that I have yeah. is uh, for a dentist: uh, Where can I find a dentist that is more on the NTP side? Hello. Oh, that's Sir? a good question, and I don't really have an answer. I don't, I've never looked for that. Um, one of the first places I might try, are you seeing an NTP? Uh, not yet. Okay. I, I would, I, I think I would start 
you know, we could start with a Google search. That that might, like I said, I yes. haven't done it, so I don't know what we're going to come up with. Um, one of the resources you might want to check would be the Weston Price Foundation. Weston Price was the, uh, he was actually a dentist, and he was the one that traveled the world looking at all the different diets and, you know, finally was the one that figured out how important nutrition really was or refigured it out. Um, and he was a dentist, and that's the whole Weston Price Foundation. That's what the NTP program is based on. They may or may not have a list or some sort of a resource there, so I might start there. And then I would probably just start talking to NTPs or naturopaths um, or doctors of Chinese medicine, uh, functional doctors. I, I would start looking for those types of medical professionals and see if they have recommendations for dentists. Kim, any ideas? That's a new question. No. Well, and I was trying to think, too, like um, just looking to see what, I mean, what is he talking about? Like if you have to have anesthetic or, you know, is it that kind of natural procedures that would be done? I'm trying to think of what Doc Dennis would do. I mean, I'm sure they would prescribe like an antibiotic sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, like what exactly – um, that would look like, what a natural dentist would look like. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I've got that on my list of research ideas. I'll see what I can come up with. Thank you so much. I'll get in touch with uh, the Western Foundation. How do you spell that, please? Mm -hmm. uh, Weston A. Price. So it's W-E-S-T-O-N, Weston A. Price. That's the Weston Price Foundation. It, it, they may have something there. I'm just not sure. Let's go to Michigan. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. I was just calling with an update. Uh, I called you, Kevin, like uh, almost a year ago because my mom had been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and I was looking to see if you had heard of any alternative treatments. And you were extremely helpful. You recommended a book to read, which was awesome. I got exactly what I needed from it. It was uh, Tripping Over the Truth, uh, Return to a Metabolic Cause for Cancer, something like that. And uh, I found nutritional ketosis as a supplement to chemotherapy. So there was a nutritionist in the back of the book that you could hire to help you do it. So I hired her for my mom, and she helped her go into a nutritional ketosis diet, and uh, we, she did the chemotherapy, and, it, and it, it went just swimmingly. I mean, she had hardly any side effects. Her big thing, her biggest complaint, she said she was tired, and obviously she lost her hair. Can't do anything about that, but uh, and it just it just went great. And she had she went to the doctor about a month ago, and she got the all clear card. Down. So, I mean, I just I couldn't be more pleased with uh, ketosis and what it did for my mom. Wow, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. So, just to kind of give everybody a, a, a little background on that, the um, the idea, and there seems to be a lot of scientific proof behind this. One ketosis strengthens all the cells in the body. They, the, the body seems to thrive under ketosis. 
normal cells in our body can run on two different kinds of fuel. They can run on fat or ketones, same thing, or glucose. What they found is cancer cells only survive on glucose. They can't survive on, on fat or ketones alone. So the idea of a ketogenic diet starves out the cancer cells and makes them weaker and strengthens the rest of the cells in the body. So even if you, you know, this isn't just saying do a, a restricted ketogenic diet and you cure cancer, they're using it along with chemotherapy and radiation. And the idea is that while you're in ketosis, your, your body is stronger so you don't get all the side effects. And the cancer cells are weaker, so it's easier to kill them. And it seems to be working really well. And it sounds like this is a, uh, a very personal case. For That's amazing. Yeah, and if anybody's interested in looking into it, the website is dietarytherapies.com. That's where you can find the nutritionist. And she also wrote a book called uh, Ketogenic Diet. Uh, I'm sorry, The Ketogenic Diet for Cancer. Wow, that is uh, that is fantastic. So thank you for that uh, that report on that. That is just awesome. I've got to get to a break. We will come back right after this. More stuff. Stick around, Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is with me. We're going to get to some calls. Kim, isn't that, I mean, that just gives me goosebumps when I hear oh, it sure does. Um, results like that. That's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. You could even hear Melissa's voice, too. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is that is so cool. I love getting reports like that. So, um you were texting me. You found a uh, holistic dental, holisticdental.org. Yeah, that was very cool. Uh, yeah, it is very cool. And that's exactly what he was looking for. So um, there you go. All you have to do is ask, and Kim will find it. Um, he found it, <laughs> and it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that I'm on the bookmark health that. page, too. Check it out. Yeah, yeah fantastic. All right, and I also saw that there was a question. Um, somebody was asking about what is the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6? What should it be? Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, one-to-one. That, that would be the ideal ratio. Remember the, the uh, I talked about the light switch, on-off. That, right. that, that's a one-to-one ratio. You have... You have you, switch to turn it on you have a switch to turn it off one-to-one ratio keeps everything on inflammation working really well a lot of people believe that you can still be 
much healthier at three to one, even five to one. Um, but the closer we get to one to one, the better off we're going to be. Um, the estimate is that if you eat the standard American diet, um, you know, in its kind of worst form, meaning you're eating out a lot and you're eating processed packaged food a lot. And if that is your typical diet, they claim your ratio would be as bad as 25 to one in the standard American wow. diet. And we want it to be one to one. Wow. Well, thanks. Yeah. That makes sense. Kind of, it really does. Kind of great. Yep. So you want to get as close to one to one as possible. And, and mm. I will tell you, it's difficult. If you check one of one of the sites I use for nutritional data lists how much omega-3 and omega-6 is in every food, vegetables, meat, fish, everything. Um, and most foods you look at are just high, naturally higher in omega-6. Even real food, even whole food, tends to be naturally higher in omega-6. If you're eating conventionally raised meat, now you've got a real problem. It should be a better ratio, but if it's conventionally raised, it's not. Um, if you're eating you know, processed food, then the ratios are way off. So eat, even eating a whole food diet, you still have to work at getting the omega-3 higher. Um, so it, it's not just eating a whole food, it's eating a clean whole food. It's eating pastured animals and pastured eggs and eating more fish and seafood. And you, you really have to work to get the omega three. Let's, uh, let's get to another call. Let's go to Nebraska. Gary, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Kim. Hey, Gary. Hey there. I have... Uh, I had a my friend from Duluth. She's doing really well on the ketogenic diet yet. Uh, she tried doing some fermented vegetables, and she didn't care for the taste of them. So what she did is she added uh, vinegar to it, and now she loves them. After they were fermented, she added, like, she had just a jar that she did, and she just added a tablespoon of vinegar to that. Is that all right? Yes, as long as she is doing it after the fermentation process. If you do it in the beginning, it will totally disrupt the fermentation process, and they'll just the vegetables will just pickle. They won't ferment. But if you do the fermentation process, and it and this would be the only reason to add any vinegar is just for taste. If it gets it to a taste that she likes and she'll eat it that would be the only reason to do this but as long as the fermentation has completed and then she goes to refrigerate it and and i would actually say i would even refrigerate it without the vinegar and i would only add the vinegar right when i ate it okay why will it kill the fermentation after it's already been fermented? It, it could if we, so what happens is fermentation creates lactic acid. Lactic acid is, is what the good bacteria thrive in. That's the environment they live in and they thrive in a pretty high concentration of lactic acid. 
Now, when you ferment, there is a little bit of acetic acid that is created as well. Vinegar is almost all acetic acid. So when we add the vinegar, we're going to throw off that balance and the, the good bacteria aren't going to thrive in there. I don't know that it will kill them, but you, you really don't want to throw that balance off. It's the lactic acid that we're trying to achieve. Uh, and vinegar is acetic acid. So I would put it on right when I was eating it. I wouldn't do it ahead of time. We lost him. So hopefully uh, yeah, that answered too. his question. Um, let's go to Missouri. Chuck, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I wanted to Good. comment on a previous caller, Tony, up in uh, Canada. And his uh, problems with uh, GERD or using the proton pump inhibitors. Uh, I learned a lot about that about 15 years ago. And uh, anyway, uh, there's a bacterium called H. H. pylori. You've probably heard of it, Heliobacter pylori, which reduces your yep. stomach acid. And uh, if if I were going to, I would I would get tested for that right away. And uh, I missed part of what you said because I was being screened with Tim, but uh, I think you might have been talking about betaine HCL as a supplement, and, and that's a, a good yeah. thing. But uh, also, uh, there's uh, turmeric has a very high activity against that uh, that species, uh, and uh, so does uh, a broccoli extract called uh, diendolmethane. And if I were going to do a a uh, a antibiotic protocol against it. I would wait until I got uh, on a good diet, which included a lot of fermented vegetables, like you've been talking about, and supplementing with some really good uh, uh, probiotics, and, and and up the turmeric and the uh, and the uh, and take some a supplement of methane and uh, I would think you probably have pretty good results with that. Yeah, that is that is all really good advice. Everything you said is is exactly correct. The H. pylori has an interesting history. Um, we used to believe that ulcers were caused by stress and anxiety and spicy foods and too much stomach acid, and it turns out that's not true. There was a doctor or researcher who thought it was H. pylori that was causing ulcers, and nobody believed him. And he went so far. So he took it himself. To, he, he ingested a large amount of H. pylori himself and developed an ulcer almost immediately and then killed the H. pylori and the ulcer went away. So it's interesting. We find that you do need some H. pylori. We don't want to get rid of it all. Having a small amount of H. pylori in good balance is actually beneficial. But it's like a lot of things. If the, if the H. pylori gets out of control for whatever reason, and it's usually our, our diet and our lifestyle, then it causes problems. So, and you're right, it can be a cause of GERD and acid reflux. So all of the things you just recommended, which would um, help lower that H. pylori, um, I, I would do all of those things. I wouldn't even consider um, the 
antibiotic for it. I, I think naturally with the HCL, the turmeric, and uh, the other things you talked about, I think if it is H. pylori, that will get it under control and things will go back to, to being in balance. So, Kim, this is one of those things that we're learning about bacteria. Now, this isn't necessarily a bacteria that lives in our, our gut, our intestine, where a lot of it does. This one's in our stomach. Um, but it mm-hmm. turns out that really healthy people have some H. pylori, but if you get too much is when it starts to cause problems, ulcers and some of the other things. So um, isn't that crazy, though? Now, there's a there's a doctor or researcher that uh, I respect. Nobody believed the guy. He knew he was right, and he actually tested it himself. Test himself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Gave himself an ulcer. I, I, I believe he won a Nobel Prize for that. So um, oh, this is goodness. that part of the show, Kim, where I put you. Put you on the spot. 30 seconds. Anything you want to wrap up with? Yeah, you know what? It just got me thinking. You know, we've got so many people following um, and listening, and we're just so grateful. Um, if there's anything, you know, let us know where they're at with their journey. You know, email us at support at letstruck.com and just, you know, share their story with us. That's a great idea. I love getting that kind of feedback. Kim, thanks as always. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Goodbye, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody. Thanks. And uh, we are on the road heading to Dallas. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you there. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.